We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, LL Nation? Lucky Lefty Podcast. Your boy, SD2 Mike's Sean Davis. We're brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. It is a premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you're going to drink, by all means, make sure that you drink responsibly. You got to drink responsibly. Lots to get to. We're here from Tommy Reese on his wide receiver group that he brought in yesterday in the 2023 recruiting class. The love he has for Kenny Minchie and his future quarterback, C.J. Carr, that will be coming into the program. And Marcus Freeman goes head first into the NIL conversation. And he keeps it like it is. He tells it like it is all the time. You have to love how transparent and on target he always is when he discusses difficult tasks and situations at Notre Dame. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CFB Nation, Go ahead, hit the automatic download. All of the great content, along with John Garcia Jr., State of Recruiting. We cover college football unlike anyone else. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know, we spin it different. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Left. It's over. The saga is over. The saga is over. The saga is over. Peyton Bowen is going to sign with Oklahoma. Oklahoma? (laughs) Wait, he decommitted again? (laughs) He threw our hat just to throw away another hat after us? The disrespect. So... You know, we were up all night, even after our show. Uh, Brian Driscoll was getting calls during the show. (laughs) And I can literally tell you that our conversation after we got done with the wrap-up show was, Sean, I got multiple calls during the show. (laughs) Notre Dame's going to end up signing this kid. Who? Not so I, I laughed. Wait, wait, wait. We're, we're going to get to it. So I laughed, right? <laughs> so I said, there's, I'm like, dude, there's no way. Like, what, like, what is going on, man? So he calls Notre Dame and tells the staff that he made a mistake. Oh. <laughs> exactly what we said he should have did. He calls the commits and tells the commits that he made a mistake. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. (laughs) He must have tuned in last night and was like, oh, shit. And says that he wants back in the the class. He should have called us and been like, what can I do? Give me my Kyrie list to come back to the team. And he did it. He ain't paid 500000 That's some of that NIL he got from Oregon. Should have gave some of that to the boys. You know, bring it back. But, you know, we're good enough with the apologies. And now I sit here telling you that this morning he has either already signed with yeah. Oklahoma or will be signing with Oklahoma today. So let, let's – can I tell you what I think happened left? Wait, you said he signed Oklahoma or us? No, Oklahoma. Oh, my goodness. Oklahoma. Can I tell you what I think happened? Nobody this, is not, this is not reporting. <laughs> this is just me 
with the information that I know that I got from recruits during our show, I don't think recruits were too happy. I don't think there was solidarity within that 23 class to let them back in. I'm going to keep it a buck. I think his boys might have been willing to let him back in. But there was some other dudes that might be from uh, the same state as him that were like, nah, we good. We good on that. What you mean you made a mistake? We were just on a Zoom call with you last night. What you mean you made a mistake? That's right. Nah, you have to live with that. <laughs> I'm not saying, dude, I'm just telling you. When I asked guys about it, during our wrap-up show, the response I got back were the rolling of the eyes. Yeah. Because who does Oregon even have right now? I mean, Oregon, I signed like four four or five stars yesterday, so. Oh, yeah, they got a, a DN, a couple transfer receivers. They got the kid that uh, the decommitted from LSU from out there in Long Beach, right? Oh, yeah, Dalen Austin. Austin's pretty good. But they must have threw him a bag, too, that Coach Kelly wasn't matching. So I got I, I got I kind of want to know the strategy of like the Alabama last week. You pull off four or five stars and a couple four stars. How do they do that? I mean, all at the same time. They probably like send them a duffel and be like, do it now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> <laughs> this dude decommits from Notre Dame, picks Oregon. He commits from Oregon. That picks Oklahoma. What did you say last night, bro? We don't negotiate with terrorists. Yeah. And some people might have been upset. It's, it, dude. It is what it is, man. I feel bad for the young man. But he put himself in a position. And um, that's that's life, right? Life is unfair. You know, you're like, man, I can't believe this happened or that happened. Uh, you put yourself in those situations and you don't have control over the outcome. That's that's how it goes sometimes. That's how it goes. So I don't even know if I feel bad for the kid. Not doing it all, all that. No. That's no. no. I, I don't feel bad. So that's that's the latest intel. It, hopefully it's over. It might not be over. But I, I venture to say that the staff was pretty much like, yo, it's not up to us. <laughs> yeah, that's probably like it's out of our hands. You done took it somewhere where only you can bring yourself back. Mm-hmm. So once again, I'm not reporting anything. I'm speculating from the intel that I do have, right? Because I'm pretty sure that if everybody was like, man, yeah, cool. You want back in the class? He initiated the call. 
He was the one that said, I want back in the class yesterday evening. So what happened? Because once he says that, it's out of his control. And now he's committing to Oklahoma. Somebody on the Notre Dame side was like, nah. I don't think it's a fit. Right? Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's going to mesh well with the team chemistry. I think that was his words, right? I just, you know, Notre Dame is just, I don't know about the fit. Okay. All right. Then, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Bounce. And that's why you have to love, that's why you have to love Marcus Freeman, bro. That's right. That dude. Whether respectfully or disrespectfully, you're not about to play Notre Dame the way they've been playing <laughs> consistently over the last decade in recruiting. You're not doing that. We got a standard. We're sticking to it. We believe in it, and we're going to build that way. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Great class, though. Great class. And Marcus Freeman – he talked about the misses along the way and what they've learned from the misses that didn't end up in the class. Kids, you got to look at and say, okay, why did we get them or why didn't we get them? And that's something we'll do as a staff and say, okay, every recruit that signed here, why did we get them? What was important? Okay, the kids that we didn't get, why didn't we get them? What was important? What could we have done differently? The ones that decommitted, why did they decommit? What can we have done differently? And some of them might have to say, it wasn't the right fit. It's okay, you know? And some we got to look and say, we got to evaluate the way we're recruiting, what we're selling, how we got to the point where they didn't want to come here or they decommitted. And so I think if you don't learn from every kid that's committed and decommitted, you're, you're losing a chance to grow. And that's something we're going to do. Um, will NIL be a topic? Absolutely. We have to make sure that no matter what the 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 important the important things in recruiting, we got to make sure that we're competitive, you know. And and NIL is is important to some of these recruits, and we got to make sure we're competitive. And I think we are, um, but we got to continue to look back and evaluate who we got, why we got them, and why we didn't get certain guys. Forever learning, right? We said during the season, everything within the program. Roster, administration, everything was under the microscope, being analyzed and broken down to see what changes need to be made. It's the same thing with this process, his first recruiting class. All right, why didn't we get these guys? Because we're not going to use NIL as an excuse. That's, that's not about to be our excuse. We have to be able to overcome that as a staff. What didn't we do to make sure that we can keep elite talent in the class? You have to love hearing that. And that's why we say Notre Dame is doubling down. They're not running away because they lost Keon Keeley. They're not running away because they lost Peyton Bowen. They're doubling down. And they're going to continue to go out and recruit five-star athletes or four-star athletes that become five-star athletes after they've committed to Notre Dame and then other teams come in and they want the players that Notre Dame have already secured into the class. Yeah, that's right. And Marcus Freeman was absolutely right with by saying, look, we, we're gonna watch the film, 
of what we did right with, with the recruits and what we didn't do right and make adjustments. And I think they've uh, taken some of those steps by securing a quarterback in 24 early. They jumped on a lot of – got a lot of commits for the 24 class, and you can see the growth from class to class. 23 might not be as good as 24. And because we're just going up and up and up, I think to be at what we finish at five, yeah, I think is a great starting no, point. Five from five to seven. I've seen from five, seven, and even eight in certain publications. So it's a top ten class range of five to eight. Yeah, and that's exactly where you want to start for your first class. And we're excited about the the, the top spot we're in. Because we know 24 can only get better. And it's already gotten better by getting a quarterback early. And one of the best ones. We got one of the best ones to commit two years early. To the point where we thought he was going to reclassify. So I think that things are going in the right direction. And we're not crying over spilled milk. If anything, the kids that decommitted and didn't do it the right way, it looked worse on them. We're looking like the, the innocent one in the deal where it's like, why would you do that to us? You know, we showing love, took all the steps. You had us convinced. And not only did you switch once, you switched twice. So that ain't yeah. on us. It, that's, that's a bad look on you. So, you know, I think it all played out how it was supposed to. Like Marcus Freeman said, it just wasn't a fit. And I think the kids showed it more with their actions than anything they ever said uh, to Marcus Freeman. And if it indeed went the direction that we believe, that we believe it went in the late hours of National Signing Day, then you're darn right, left. Tip of the cap to young men, right? Because, you know, we make the excuse, oh, these are young men. They make bad decisions. You know, yeah. Well, it seems like a group of young men stood on integrity. Yeah. And chose integrity over the buffoonery. Yeah, we recruiting the right guys. You know, we definitely recruiting the right guys. And I think it shows on how they stay committed and they stay together. Yeah. You know, you get a lot of individuals in the recruitment game where guys are looking out for themselves. They're not really uh paying attention to who else is signed in the class. They're like, Oh, I'm good, I've made my decision and we can move on. But these guys were talking, communicating, recruiting other guys together and made it a brotherhood before they even got into school. And and I think that's why Marcus Freeman was right. It's not a good fit because the guys we got committed are not only committed and bought in, but they're committed to each other. And seeing the actions of some of these guys decommitting, it shows that that's, that's what we didn't need in a class that is, is a tightly bound group. That's great to hear. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Let's go into the program moving forward and how it's going to be impacted by NIL in the days to come and in the years to come. Many ways, do they found about five different ways to ask the same question about NIL yesterday. And I'm sure Marcus Freeman had to be frustrated because he kept answering the same way. But he did it eloquently. And you have to tip your cap to him. This is what he said about NIL and Notre Dame moving forward. A part of recruiting, yeah, I mean, because you discuss it. It's a topic of discussion. Um, but 
in terms of acquisition fees, we're not going to get into that. You know, we can't. Um, because, again, if that's going to be the reason, Tim, that you decide to come here, man, it's, it's hard to keep you here. You know, and, and that's what I think we all as coaches and competitors that want who we view sometimes as the best, right? We want the best. We want the highest rate, all these different things. We have to understand it's still about getting the right guys here. You know, when you look at last year's class, what again, that was another top 10 class. I think I looked at it the other day, maybe four, maybe four or five guys played this year, didn't redshirt. I mean, out of a class that we signed 22 to 25 guys, you know? And so I say that's important because if you're coming here for an acquisition fee, as you said, um, or you're coming here for NIL and you don't get that instant gratification of playing right away, that's, it's going to be tough. Right. Tough to stay here. And, and that's what we got to understand is when you bring these guys in, it's going to take a little bit of time to really be able to run out there in Notre Dame Stadium and have a huge impact on our program. It takes time. Very few guys can come in here and play and start right away. Ben Morrison. Listen, I don't know how highly rated he was, and he was the only guy in that freshman class to start this year. You know, and we've had a couple guys that played, but um, the majority of guys redshirted. Highly recruited guys, highly rated guys, but they've decided to stay and say, okay, hey, I got to develop. I got to continue to commit to a program and this team and my development. Those are the guys we need because as you look back two years ago, a lot of those guys, the Blake Fishers, Joe Waltz, and some of those guys, those are the ones that are playing a lot of ball for you now. And so it takes time to really make that adjustment from high school to, to playing major college football. And so we need guys to understand the value of this place and what it will provide in the long run because you're not just going to get that instant gratification that some guys are looking for. You've been through it, left. What do you think about what he had to say? Well, you know, you're right. It's, it's We talked about the expectation of like a guy like Nico Ima Valido who's getting supposedly, allegedly $8 million to go to Tennessee you damn near expected to play in a bowl game if you go into school early. So I think, you know, not playing as a, as a true freshman, it would be interesting to see how, you know, the NIL shakes out for you. Are they expecting you not to play the first year? Are they expect giving you time as a, as an individual, you, you sitting on $8 million, like, man, I, am I good enough to, to, to be out there and, and start if I'm not, you know, first day starter and, you know, a lot of things creeping your mind. I think, uh, Marcus Freeman is right. So if you don't play that first year, it's going to be hard to stay because you didn't commit for the reasons of development. You didn't commit to the uh, the culture or the vision of the program or the role that you uh, have to fit into because he's right. It's hard to start as a true freshman because the way Notre Dame has been built, you have to play your role. It's not like you're getting the Steph Curry treatment where you get the green light and can shoot threes at any point at any time in the game. You're going to have to find what, uh, what's the team is required in the offense to fit in or on the defense to play your key role that it may not be roaming around the field defensively, making plays everywhere. It might just have to be you hold this side of the field down and play a half or you play in the box and that's what you that's all you do. Or you uh, play the man one-on-one in slot like a, Therese, a Tariq Bracey all game. So if you're not masterful at your role that's required, which is why Marcus Freeman talks about I'm not putting any guy in that's not doing well in practice is because you need he needs to know that you know your role. 
He knows that you're a good player. Everybody at Notre Dame is really, really, really talented. Everybody. Maybe not Salerno, but, you know, maybe they see something in him. But other than that, you got guys that can play anywhere in the country probably day one. So to make it detail-oriented program to not be an 8-4 team, you got to do your role and, and, and perfect your craft and practice. And, he, and he's right. You know, we, we're too good of a program to just roll guys out there that are game day players. We want semi-pros and the way they go about detailing their position. And we got coaches that are hell-bent on finding the best talent within that position group, depending on how they go about practice. And I think that's fair. You know, Mike Mickens is definitely not shy to put a young guy in if he's doing his job. Brian Mason is not shy to put a young guy in if he's doing his job and contributing on special teams. Marcus Freeman has shown that, okay, you may not start in the initial beginning, but if you could continue to progress, uh, Xavier Watts, for instance, you can make an impact towards the end of the season and start and look to be the favorite for the next year. That wasn't what we thought in the beginning of the year, but he ended up growing into that role because he kept developing in practice. Uh, the only person is dang near Tommy, so Tommy got to get on board with doing the right thing <laughs> and keeping it fair and playing guys that, you know, perform well in practice but also can add that impact for you in the game. So one thing that stood out what Marcus Freeman was talking about there is that this is a different place. And we're not about to fall prey to what others are doing, which, by the way, is illegal. <laughs> and I've said it before. Don't think the NCAA is just sitting on their hands. Coaches and teams have been sending in information, sending in text messages, sending in screenshots. And when this new president gets in place, certain programs are going to be in trouble. Are they going to backlog, you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the coaches, because of what the coaches have been doing, the coaches have been saying, yo, they, they're coming out publicly now talking about it. But this entire season, coaches have been sending in information, sending in, of course, when you have the players going back to the school saying, can you offer me this? Such and so is offering me this. It's evidence. It's evidence. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a problem. And it's going to be the first thing that they saw. It's like you want Notre Dame to basically be illegal. Just to do for what? Well, everything's about to change. Everything is about to change. You're both going to be illegal for what? For the sake of microwaving a football program? Hot pocket in a football program? No. No. You can't pop these bad boys in the oven. You got to cook it. No. Preheat the, the oven. The 23 Take class gives you numbers. Uh, Marcus Freeman said it yesterday. We had deficiencies in rooms that we had to fill. And regardless of the losses, they filled the deficiencies in the defensive line room with numbers. They filled the deficiency in numbers in the offensive line room, and they definitely filled it in the wide receiver room. Definitely. And that and that depth 
is is a benefit and a strength in of itself because when you have depth and talent at a position next man up applies to the team as well and you never know who's going to flash because it's a long year a long spring a long fall camp and to be able to have guys emerge and continue to push the talent and competition in the room all those guys are going to get better, you know, because there's nobody that is all on. It's all on everybody. And so now you're trying to find a way to stand out in a room amongst a bunch of ballers. Yeah. Like I see someone in the chat say, I'm putting a lot of faith in a politician. No, I'm putting faith in business. You got to understand business. That's right. The NCAA does not want it to be a wild, wild west when this TV money comes up. So they will much rather side with the current players on the roster than some 16 and 17 year old kids that haven't played a down of football. Yeah. That's crazy. It's business. It has nothing to do with a politician. It's about business. But they're smart enough to know that it takes a politician to be able to be bipartisan because the legislation is passed by politicians. It's business. It has nothing to do with a politician. Follow the money. It's business. Business. That's why the new president said the first thing, the first task, he said it on Good Morning America, NIL will be handled. Why? Because it's bad for business. It's bad for business. And they need to handle it before the new expansion. You have to. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Just follow the money. Any crime, follow the money. And the money is going to tell you what's about to happen. And I got drunk Vigo. Like, no, there will always be corruption. In any form of, there's corruption in any area of business. There's corruption. There's corruption in the media. Yeah, we know that. There's corruption in pro sports. There's corruption in high school sports. Come talk to me about high school basketball in Chicago. There's plenty of corruption. There's always yeah, going to be corruption. High school football, yeah. With these double holdbacks, you got kids 18, 19, 20 years old as juniors and seniors. Corrupt. Like you have kids that don't have a city address playing with CPS teams. <laughs> right? But there are rules. Well, wait a minute. There are rules. And if you don't get caught, then fine. But it's not the wild, wild west. If you got an auntie that lives on 13th and State and you can prove that you live with her during the school year, then you can go to a CPS school and hoop. But you know what's so crazy? They even have rules now where a kid can claim homeless. So wow. he can claim homeless. I didn't know that, Left Living with a couple of his teammates at the school he goes to or wants to go to, and they take him to school or whatever. And he basically can go anywhere because he's homeless. And, he applied, and you can apply for a homeless scholarship type of thing. So between them being corrupt and, and lenient, it's still the, it's still – if you get caught now, it's a problem. Yo. But if you don't get caught, we don't even worry about it. We'll even give you things to get around it. It sounds like the IRS and taxes. Mm. 
If you don't know the rules to get around it, of course you think it's the worst thing in the world. And guess who knows the rules? The people with the money. The people with the money. People with the money. They still got it. They're like, but Donald Trump said his famous line, he said, I wouldn't be able to do it if y'all didn't let me do it. If the tax rules wasn't what they were, I wouldn't be able to, to get right. So y'all blaming me or the system? Which one is it? You know? Dave Chappelle said that was the night a star was born <laughs> when he made that statement. He said that dude became a star when he stood on that stage and made that statement. But no, in all seriousness, man, look, it is what it is, Yeah. right? Jack Swarbrick, two years ago, told you what Notre Dame was going to do. He told you. You can't be mad at him. Marcus Freeman is telling you how he's going to build this program. He told you a week before signing day, I am focused on building the middle of this roster because it has been depleted over the three previous years of recruiting and defections from those classes. We have no middle on this roster. No. So I have to build the middle up, and once I build that up, now – I can go get the difference makers. And he tried to still get the difference makers. He just missed. And like he said, I'm going to learn from the misses. Because that's what matters. If you can learn from the misses, you'll bounce back twice as better as you just trying to get over, oh, well, we just didn't get them because we didn't get them. And I think that's why it's easier to evaluate a loss than it is a win. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy that people, you know, the Peyton Bowen saga for me is a perfect, if the NCAA needed Exhibit A for their case to change things, Peyton Bowen just gave them everything they need. Exactly. He just gave them, the NCAA could take Peyton Bowen and say, look, this is why the legislation has to go through. This is why things need to change. This is why you don't entice high schoolers with money. The NIL money should be for the players on the roster. Yeah. But, you know, it's the same thing as why the fans don't care as much of the players on the roster as they do recruiting. It's just something about the enticement of uh, – getting a kid to commit and, and the fanfare behind it that makes it more attractive. You can even bet on it. You know, so yeah. you can bet on recruiting. So it's like once you win, it's like, all right, you you part of the club. We ain't really, you know, unless you the Heisman are going crazy. But then, you know, it should be the expectation for everybody that I think if it's, if it's possible, you know, put it in escrow or make it something where, you know, we, we will give you this, but it's got to be after you graduate or something like that. So I think uh, there's it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. But there's plenty of ways to skin this cat that can make it beneficial for both sides, not just uh, bringing down a hammer on a on a program just because they're trying to scrap their way to, together to get a team that can compete. Facts. Lucky Lucky Podcast, man. Let's hear from offensive coordinator Tommy Reese. Man, he has a lot on his plate. Getting two quarterbacks ready for the Gator Bowl, going out traveling, 
going through, sifting through film, seeing which transfer quarterback would be the best fit to come in for Notre Dame next season to compete, elevate the program, elevate that room, and then still have to be the head of the offensive recruiting on the Notre Dame side. It's a lot on this plate. He was kind of gifted the crown of this class left. Like it wasn't going good until about a month ago. And then a gift fell from the heavens in the form of Kenny Minchie when he reached out to Notre Dame. That's right. And Kenny Minchie ends up in the 2023 recruiting class as their quarterback. And Tommy Reese talked about Kenny Minchie and how impressive he is. Recruiting um, is an imperfect science. Uh, we're thrilled to have Kenny and his family be a part of, of Notre Dame. You know, I think we went into the off season last year with a, you know, group of guys that we were uh, interested in and, you know, Kenny had camps with us. So there was a relationship that was built there early on, you know, obviously, um, you know, the ecosystem of the quarterback room is, is very important to us. And, you know, that's something we're trying to uphold. You know, I think we didn't want to just add a guy to add a guy. We weren't looking for somebody to come in and fill a number and, and just be that role. We want, you know, to always bring somebody in that we believe, you know, has the intangibles and the physical traits to, to compete here and, and be the guy. And that's what we found in Kenny. And I think the more time we've spent with him and his family, the more we know and believe that he's the right guy to lead this class. He's a guy that we look to in the future as someone that could lead our program and um, he's a football junkie, which which we love, and that's something you learn as you spend time with him. And you know, an extremely talented kid. And I think it just it goes to show that there is so much growth that can be had. You know, people aren't finished products as sophomores or juniors in high school. And as you continue to evaluate and watch film and get around people, you find the right fit. And you know, that's something I think you know more now than ever is the evaluation process in recruiting has to be at a premium. I think you're on mute. He's an early enrollee. Talk about the advantage he'll have and talk about the expectation you have of him and Tommy Reese for next season. Well, I think it all comes down to um what's the what's the fit and what's the role that you see him in and what's the plan? Did you guys talk about a plan? of how you see it playing out with a guy that you really, really like in the class behind him and with a guy that you're saying that you like uh, right now in Tyler Buckner. You you kind of cleared out the room a little bit with having Drew Pine and having that honest conversation. But you have to also acknowledge the fact that you're trying to supposedly keep an ecosystem in the room. That room ecosystem is trash. It's trash. You need somebody that's going to mix up the room Somebody's going to push the room. Somebody's going to evolve the room. It's not going to be the same that you want it to be from last year because it can't be. So Kenny definitely uh, adds a lot of tools that I think can can expand uh, the growth of that uh, quarterback room, but also be a guy that's – I think if we had a guy with more of a – I think he just wants a guy that's more of a chill personality – I think that's just the nature of the room that he wants. Uh, not too much of a rah-rah guy. Maybe that's the type of guys he's looking for. But Kenny is definitely uh, the gift that 
keeps on giving the gift that we didn't expect at first, but is a definite piece to what, if anybody could give Tommy uh, something outside of what we expect him to do, this is the closest thing to it. And I think Kenny has a really good chance. Hopefully if they allow uh, the team to go naturally how it should to be ready by the end of the year to be a starter or at least to be uh, in the backup looking to push the guy to be a starter. So um, that's what I expect. But, you know, with Tyler Buckner not being able to prove he can stay healthy, I would love to see Tommy take a huge investment in just having Kenny available in, in a package situation that he can be productive in or something to where you're acknowledging the fact that we got a kid with talent and we're not just trying to have him uh, shelved on the bench for two or three years because that's just not how that's just not how college football is right now. You you can't just shelve uh, a highly rated quarterback prospect for two two and a half years and not give him any action because he's probably going to leave. I would leave in this day and age because you can just leave at any time. So it's a it's a delicate balance. I don't think Kenny's the type of guy to run uh, if he doesn't get it the first try, but the second try. <laughs> I don't know if he got that much GC in him. <laughs> Lucky Lucky Podcast. Look, man, I think the most amazing thing with Kenny Minchie, like I said, is that in his recruitment, he flips from Pittsburgh. But ultimately, it was his desire to want to be at Notre Dame. That was the overriding factor. And I feel Braylon James when he, he spoke to us yesterday and said, look, everybody in this class is like-minded. And anybody that doesn't have the same mindset, they don't need to be here. And we possibly saw that play out last night with the saga that was taken, that was being dealt with within the program. And now we're going to see it moving forward. Because I think Kenny Minchie, you know, and I'm trying to figure out what the heck. I have to see what these rules are, bro. Because I see, like you said, Nico is practicing with Tennessee. Caleb Downs, Justin, Justice Hayes, they're practicing with Alabama today. They signed yesterday that they're in the bowl practices. <laughs> I've been like, wait a minute. <laughs> if everybody can practice in the bowls once they sign, like, yo, what's good? Yeah. That's kind of how uh, basketball is. You go – on a basketball visit, you might get in a run. Well, heck, Notre Dame has a five-star coming that once they get here in January, she's rocking with the squad. Yeah. Matter of fact, I believe she'll be allowed to practice with the squad shortly. So I don't go. know how the rules apply for Notre Dame football, but it's just interesting to see other teams getting their early signees involved in the competition for these bowl games with the practices. Yeah, I think it's 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 a good culmination to let the guys get their feet wet early, know what they're getting into. Uh, they may not play a major role in practice, but to just be there uh, fitting with the guys, kind of seeing how the lay of the land is, mm -hmm. I think it's just important uh, for the transition to be a lot easier than in fall where they're missing so much of uh, what could help them develop to be ready for that first true freshman season. I think a lot of times, why people don't play their true freshman years because you get in and you miss a whole spring, you miss a whole 
a spring uh, version of a bunch of meetings that you can have the the gradual pace that you grow that you go through growing in the spring having a bunch of practices with less pressure you know they're getting young guys in they're testing different things out you're starting at the basics of installs for the offense and defense and special teams so that missing that chunk of time definitely puts the freshmen especially true freshmen back and that's why you have a little bit of a delay unless you got freaks of nature like georgia seems to be rolling out there uh you know every now and then so I think with them being able to come in right away and get some of that bowl experience because they're usually playing a pretty good team, you get a sense of what it would feel like to be on there full time and even to get some of that season experience that a lot of kids don't get to see until they go through a whole uh, uh, off season and, and they're and they're up. And look, we're not being dismissive of Steve Angeli when we talk about Kenny Mitchell. We're actually solidifying what we're saying. Because Steve Angeli should be ready to play. It's the end of his freshman year. He should be well enough to go in and start a Gator Bowl and be effective. Not talking about he's excited to get a rep with the twos. No. That's not the right mindset for a guy in a position like that just because of what's coming down the pipe. You need to be aware of what's happening in the program. Shit, they untold Drew, he got to leave because we bringing a guy in there. Okay, that's something to worry about. You got TB, they love TB, but he can't stay healthy. There might be a chance. But the next two guys after that, they not they looking over me for them. You know, they squeezed in Kenny Minchie. I need to be hair on fire. I'm looking to beat Tyler every day at practice because, damn it, is only one that can stay. <laughs> in the realistic uh, view of college football and where we are and where they are, only one can be there. So I think this is a bigger audition tape than than what's being explained through these interviews and this media. But I think for Marcus Freeman, this is exactly what you want. You want a situation where one guy's got a – or these two guys are both going to get chances at a good time of the year where it's not going to be casualty to a season. This is just the end-of-year audition tape, something we can sit on after this game and really evaluate – look at how that impacts the transfer quarterbacks that are out there and really make a decision where you can move the quarterback room forward and not be stuck in the everlasting cycle of getting guys and then looking for transfers to bridge the gap between the years because that's a cycle that Florida got caught in. That's a cycle that we're seeing that we're you know being stuck in, but that's not a cycle that you want. You want to be able to develop guys young that you recruit and and see them blossom uh, like an Ian Book did and not have this disparaging, we're taking backups from teams that we're, we can blow out and then making them better. So uh, this is an opportunity to set the natural order of the quarterback room, right? One guy got to go. We bring one guy in. That's the last time we bring a transfer in uh, for a while, it should be. Yeah, Ryan Loftus. Loftus has a good question here. What do you expect him, from him, though? They should have given them those reps way sooner. Look. Who's this, rep? Uh, uh, Angeli or? Yeah, Angeli. And look, this left, you can jump on this. I'll just say this right here, and then you can take it from there. If Notre Dame is an elite program, this is what elite programs do. Yes. Your freshman quarterback is ready at the end of his freshman year to play a college football game. Period. That's it. I don't care what the reps are. 
how to divide it up. He's a freshman. He should be ready to go in this game and compete and play. That's right. And that's the thing. Like, you don't get a chance to – at a program like Notre Dame, Alabama, you're not getting too many chances to just sit and not be ready. You're expected to at least come, you know, pre-cooked. We, they just trying to throw you in the oven and, you know, warm you up and be ready to go. You a TV dinner. Most of these guys are are, are, are are from scratch that you see at other programs like a Coastal Carolina, a Tulsa, guys that, that was made from the ground up, and now they're a better prospect than what they started. But that's not how Notre Dame recruits quarterbacks. Notre Dame recruits guys that are mostly finished products, that with a little fine tuning of the development and a skill set of some uh, offensive defensive tools, they'll be the next draftable guys. We're, we're, we're not that we're a stepping stone, but we're a launching pad for a lot of guys that are on the cusp of being some great athletes and and football players. But you know the projects we do take are more so like walk ons, guys that have uh, been through a gamut of things, injuries that are bouncing back. But we're not looking to just develop a guy that's a, at the quarterback position, develop guys that are two and three stars like a – I don't even know if Drew was a forced – I don't know. But developing guys that are projects and hoping they're going to be the guy you turn out because the way the quarterback game is, if you want to be competitive, get guys that are ready right now. Like you said, left, he needs to be ready to play. There's no excuses. This is a big-time college football program. He was an early enrollee. He got snaps during the spring. He was your scout team guy. He should know the playbook in and out. Not only should he know the playbook, he should know how teams are going to react to certain things because as a scout team quarterback, he's going up against the number one defense as the opposing team as the every opponent. week. So he's not only studying Notre Dame. This is how smart he has to be. He's not only studying Notre Dame's playbook. He has to know the other team's playbook and what they like to do. So there's no excuse for him not to be prepared mentally to play football. Now, can he go out there and physically get it done? We won't know until we see him play. And it goes back to Notre Dame is not meant for everybody, you know, because it's a high expectation of, you need to be ready to play. You need to be able to keep up. You need to be able to adapt, and you need to be able to uh, do a lot of the things that guys that are already there are doing. You're just trying to fall in line. If you can't fall in line and adapt fast enough, you just won't make it. <laughs> so you got to be quick on your feet. You can't be a – you know, a lot of these kids are used to being babysat. Like I compared a lot to AAU basketball. A lot of these basketball kids are spoiled. Don't work hard, can't use their left hand, but they got a bunch of unique talents and skill sets of being super tall or, you know, fast or whatever, but they get to the NBA and can't survive amongst skill set type of guys. So that's the one thing Notre Dame does do well is we put skill in our players while they're at school that they can survive when they leave school. And we've seen a lot of guys, uh, you know, go through, different programs and not be able to look the same as they did at in college because they didn't get the direct skill development that it takes to to, to really uh, be a great player in this game. 
I think we have enough of a great coaching staff to be able to accomplish that. We have enough players that are hungry enough to accomplish that. We heard it from our receiver room. Guys are hungry to get out there and develop. We heard at the beginning of the season, Chancey Stuckey done basically rebuilt the receiver room from and scratch. One. <laughs> one. And, one, and one half of a year. He <clears throat> got there at the damn near end of spring. So you're, you're talking about a, a program that's taking all the right steps behind the scenes and doing the little details of what it takes, of what it takes to be a championship program. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really uh, happy in the direction of what the QB situation looks like now. But damn it, Tommy, do not mess this up. <laughs> well said. Lucky Lucky Podcast, Apple Spot, Apple Podcast, Spotify, CFP Nation, and in conjunction with Irish Breakdown, all of our great content, state of recruiting, John Garcia Jr., who cover college football unlike anyone else. It's the Lucky Lucky Podcast. You already know we spin it different. And I'll just close it up by saying this before we go to the wide receivers. Perfect segue left. I remember a certain quarterback that didn't get any tick. Any tick during the season. Walked in to the last game of the 2014 season on the road against USC. Because I see, you know, people in the chat are like, they didn't give him an opportunity to play. Finally got in in the second half. Hadn't played all year. Got in in the second half against USC. No dang offense wasn't doing anything. All of a sudden, this young man comes in, and him and his boy at running back go up and down the field consecutive drives. Young man hadn't played all year. And we keep using the excuse they haven't given him an opportunity. This young man didn't get an opportunity all year. But when he got a chance, either he was ready or he wasn't. And, and if I wasn't ready, it wouldn't be another chance. And it just happens to be this man right here. That dude. That's why I don't be feeling bad for That dude people. right there. I Against even told USC. Him and Greg Bryant showed out That's right. when they got the opportunity. And then took it to the Music City Bowl and showed out some more. That's right. I don't want to hear that excuse. That's right. And that's exactly why I don't feel bad for guys now is because I even told Deshaun and Brandon this back when I was there. I was like, look, the way this thing is set up, man, I look, when you get in, if you get your if you get your number called, you better take advantage of it. You better, you better do your job. Do your job. <laughs> do your job. It's like, I'm going to cheer for you because, look, nobody controls who gets in because nobody knows anytime what's going on. They be lying to us. So it's like, man, listen, if they put you in there, just, man, you better go hard as you can. That's it. You don't know if you ever get a chance. And that was real. And that was a real, you don't know if you'll ever get another chance. So if you get in there, damn it, I hope you throw for 5,000 yards. Because I know when I get in there, if you mess up, you're not getting it back. And that's just getting it back. And that's exactly what the feel in the room should be. That's what Steve Angeli should be saying. 
That's how Tyler. you should, exactly. Tyler, don't mess up. Tyler, don't don't, mess I'm up. here. I'm a root for you because I know all of this quarterback competition is subjective. I don't think you better than me, but if they say it, that's just how they feel. But mm-hmm. if you go in there and mess up, I promise you, it's the worst. You might as well transfer. Yep. You might as well transfer because I'm not letting it go. Because I know if I mess up, I might not get back in that box. Facts. 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 But I'm not going to be mad at you. Right. And and you want Kenny Minchie to come in and tell Steve Angeli the same thing. The same thing. And that's how you keep it in the right order of things. That's how you keep it uh, uh, not in a situation where you feel like you uh, daddy balling quarterbacks or you – Showing favoritism, it's just being honest. Yeah, you can have a favorite, but but damn it, if that favorite ain't balling, don't don't you know? I think Lincoln Riley showed a great example of that with Spencer Rattler, love the kid to death, recruited the kid the whole time, and but still they got a Jalen Hurts. Yeah, still they got a top quarterback in Caleb Williams after Spencer, mm-hmm. but Lincoln Riley. You know, I think he liked Spencer the most and gave Spencer the most fair opportunity. But when it was time, it was time. And 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 he did it to the point where he didn't lose Caleb and 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 Spencer was able to find another good spot. And I think that's uh how it's gotta be, you know, these tough conversations gotta happen for the quarterback position specifically, because right. only one guy can do it. And you need that guy to be in command and feel like he's in command from the beginning. You can't just have him fill in limbo and then be like, oh, well, we're going to throw you in the game now and see what you can do. This is not a receiver. This is not a D lineman. This is not no other position. You have to really prepare mm-hmm. and feel like you're the guy that's preparing and, and things are going the way that uh, you know you can uh, prepare the best with because it's too hard of a game to just be staying prepared when you're not getting no reps, you're not getting no understanding of when you're going to get in or what the competition is like or who they're going to play. It don't work like that. Be clear and be like day one of spring. All right, Tyler's our guy, and we're going to you know rock with it until the wheels fall off. But when the wheels fall off, and Jelly better be ready because only one can stay. And that's just honest. That's competition, bro. That's right. That's Not competition. Notre Dame, man. We need to act like it. Damn it. Not everybody can come. Right. right. This ain't, dude, nobody's. No. Nah. And all I said, no empathy for Steve and Jelly. None. No. He's been here since January. Yeah, plenty of time to be ready to play. And there's no and there's no slack for it because the room isn't good right now. It's not like it's Alabama, and okay, Bryce Young, we know he's good, so we ain't worried. We're not stressing the fact that oh he's gonna miss his chance. No, 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 he's gonna get his chance because it's Bryce Young. He's really good, and he just gotta wait his turn because the room is great. The room is great. We wouldn't be so hell bent on trying to find the right guy if the room was great. Because then it's just about you need to learn from the vet, things that you're you you you're really good as a high school senior. But there's some things you can learn from a really good guy in college that's been doing it and it looks good doing it. So I think that's what we need to get to, and we only get to that by being harsh in how we handle this situation now. 
Don't let guys hang around and think it's going to be a competition, da da da, because your room is going to stack up too much because there's no name. We're going to bring in the good talent. So it's important that knowing that we're not a good room, it needs to be some drastic changes. <laughs> I'm going in there first bowl practice. Look, only one can stay. And drop and drop the uh, drop the little uh, the uh, <laughs> the remote in there and be like, y'all figure it out. Mm. I need it. I need a guy that's going to have that raw masculine energy that's going to lead the team. That's when you find out who the dog is. Yeah, because all this whole, you know, we, we want a good ecosystem. You're not – this is not nature. You're not building a zoo. Right, because Bryce Young, was he was not feeling the fact that Mike Mac Jones won a job. At all. He was living. And you did, right? This is not As a – a true freshman. There are no consolation prizes in that QB room. We're not trying to build an aquarium where all the fish got to get along. You need to throw a piranha in there. Throw, throw, throw a piranha in there. Just see what how he mix up the aquarium. Because right now, we're we building a bunch of aquariums with goldfish. None better than the other. They all died out. If you don't feed them, they all die out. Stop putting goldfish in the tank. Damn it! Put put uh, what's some what's some a different fish in there? Put a put a <laughs> put some different fish in the tank. Damn it! See how they communicate? They fight! They fight! Facts, facts. The best fish in the tank. We ain't just putting a bunch of goldfish in there where we gotta feed them all day and then end up dying and they all friends and nothing is productive out of there but a bunch of poop. No, because we can be cool. We can be cool, but we man, when we no, step on this field. That's right. I'm eating you up. Yeah. I'm eating you up. We're not bringing we because nobody comes to the, the pet store to buy a, a tank full of goldfish. Yes. They come to the pet store to find the exotic ass fish. They like, oh, I want to throw that in my tank. I want and then when they get a tank full of exotic fish, now everybody wanna come over the house. Now you garnering the attention that is rightfully deserved. You know, we got a goldfish tank in a, in a, with marble floors around us. They don't even match. <laughs> we got chandel, diamond chandelier. You got the, the statue in the front of the crib, the marble floors, you know, the staircase looking all great. And then you got a, 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 a fish tank full of goldfish. Anyway, man, get me out this house. You just make the house look bad. Put a put a baby shark in that mug tank, you know. I want a shark in the tank. I want I want Angela to be like, man, we had a fight in the QB room today, but it's all good. We still love hey, each other. Damn it, we try. You to put a shark in the tank. It raises the level of the other guys in the tank. That's right. Even, even if they aren't sharks, even if they they, not they know. Wait a minute, I got to be different if I'm gonna survive with this shark. I got, yeah, or I'm going to get eaten up. I'm going to tell you now, from a mindset standpoint, Kenny Minchie's a shark. Yes. I don't know, dude. People got mad because we sat up here, watched Tyler Buckner's interview, watched his mannerisms, his body. That's a goldfish mentality. You just swimming along. You just. I understand he was coming off a bad practice. It is what it is. I'm just telling you. I don't know who's coming in the portal. But I know the mindset of the kid that's coming in January. They better be ready. They better be ready. 
And Steve Angeli, you got your opportunity in the Gator Bowl, my friend. Take advantage of it. Hey, because I'm telling you, it's going to get a lot more hairy when other people get in that room. Let me ask you a question. How many snaps was Deshaun getting? Oh, when we was in fall camp, man, it was him and Brandon splitting it. So it was like. Okay, well, well, wait a minute. What did he do with his opportunity against Virginia? Man, hey, took advantage. Threw a game-winning touchdown. Thank you. Because if he didn't, I promise you, Brandon and him are splitting time with Georgia Tech. Brandon was going to get in. Brandon if he didn't take advantage of the moment. Thank you. So he, he damn near better throw that touchdown. That's an elite program, bro. That's what college football is. That's right. Put pressure on the guy in front of you. And that's what Marcus Freeman was saying by building the middle of the roster. He didn't have enough players in the middle of the roster to put pressure on the guys above. And that's why you sit here and lament the way some of the seniors are playing, the way some of the upperclassmen are playing. You know why? Because they play like they know that's their spot. And they're not really worried about anybody behind them. That's all changing. That's right. That's changing. Lucky Lefty Podcast. You talked about the wide receiver core, bro. Be patient, LL Nation. Because Tommy Reese had a lot to say about the group he brought in. Needless to say, he's very happy. Any position, you know, we're not trying to fill spots, right? We're not in the business of filling up so that we get a nice article written about us or filling up so that people can be excited. Like, we want the right people and the right players. And, like, I remember watching Jaden Greathouse's sophomore year and being like, gosh, what an unbelievable player as a young kid. This He'd be great to great to coach. You know, and I watched him with a kid that doesn't even work here anymore, Pat Kramer, three years ago. You know, I remember watching Rico Flores, you know, because there were some other guys out there and in my head being like, gosh, I hope we can reach this kid, you know, all the way out in Sacramento. And we did. Um, so I think and then obviously with Braylon and KK, we were able to to build relationships, you know, throughout the process, but we're not about filling spots or filling numbers or having bodies. Like we want guys that can come in here and compete. And we truly believe that if you can add competition to any room, that's only going to whittle out the guys that can't make it. And it's going to raise the level of, of everyone else in the room. You look at the rooms that have been really successful at that position. You know, you look at Bama a couple of years ago, they have all those first rounders, right? And you have Ohio state where they got all these first rounders that are pushing each other. And that's the culture that, that we're trying to, to build. And I think Stuck's done an unbelievable job of having real authentic relationships. I think he's done an unbelievable job of bringing in talent into a room, um, that, that is able to push one another. And I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, the second part of your question, like not a huge player comp guy. Um, I think you look at great house and you look at reek and you look at two guys that, um, you know, are pretty polished, right? Like guys that, um, physically are probably able to come in and, and from a strength standpoint, compete guys that understand the nuances of running routes, have a natural feel to them. Um, you look at guys like Braylon where a little bit like Tobias, like very high ceiling, long rangey can run, you know, has a great frame where you look like, hey, he's going to add 10, 15 pounds. He's going to be a physical, you know, presence on the outside, but has the speed to really play out there. And then you look at KK and 
like the smoothness in which he plays and the speed in which he plays is very deceiving. Like you will go watch his senior stuff and you're like, wow, this kid really slipped through the cracks because he's a, a national recruit that, you know, again, stuck in an unbelievable job of having a relationship with him from his previous stops and was able to keep that going. And so I think you have a great blend of polish. You have a great blend of upside. You have a great blend of size and speed, you know, and the one thing that I remember McNulty used to always say this, like wide receivers still need to catch the ball. And you look at guys that can't catch, they have trouble playing the position. And, you know, we had live evaluations on all these guys throughout their career, and you're able to see guys that can catch the ball outside the framework of their body, have strong hands, have catches in, in traffic. And at this level, that's going to be critical to, to having success. See, all of that sounds really, really, really good, but Tommy's missing the other side of it, his involvement. Throw that whole I need to trust guys thing. Explain all that because clearly – we're doing the right things from getting the talent, bringing in guys that can raise the competition of the room, bringing the coaches in that's changing life and that the guys like and that they can learn from. But all of that is great. But then we get to the season, and then it comes to you making the decision on these guys playing, and then it's a trust thing. So – if you've been looking at these guys for three years when they were babies, I don't want to hear the trust thing no more. Because you was talking about how you were so excited to coach some guys that were freshmen in high school. So three years later, when they finally get there, I don't want to hear nothing about no trust. I need to see guys you like, man, I can't wait to play him first day on campus. Because I trust him. But don't get in the week eight and we ain't seen the kid run not one route, block one thing, catch one ball, and then you tell us he's doing everything right. I just got to trust him. What is that? So you're stacking up all the reasons why there are no excuses for Tommy Reese anymore. We need to have that quarterback ready and one ready in the, in the tank. And we need to see that room, receiver room, flourish, period. With young guys in there, older guys in there, guys expected to be ready in there, guys that the quarterback is saying he's balling to be catching the ball in the game. We don't need to see frustrated faces in your receiver room talking about, yeah, we starving like Marvin. We ain't seen a throw all year past 20 yards. So I'm super excited that the veil is taken down. There is no more veil or mystery of why things aren't happening, how they should happen for the offense. Because Tommy explained it well. Everything that we had a problem with, we fixed it, apparently. From coaches to talent to competition to guys wanting to play and being ready and being young and ready and being old and ready. Now it's just time to get your quarterbacks ready. Steve Angeli and Tommy and Tyler Buckner should feel the most comfortable in the country. Because they got guys that are hungry for the ball. They got guys that want to run the football. They got guys that want to block. This is the easiest audition you can have because you don't have to put the team on your back. 
the team is dying for a guy to take the mantle, take the reins, have that raw, aggressive, masculine energy at that position. I'm tired of seeing guys that are co-workers in the QB room. Somebody be a shark. Yo, you on mute, I think. I thought you were going to keep going. I was enjoy- I was enjoying that, bro. <laughs> Yo, I don't even need to say anything, man. Let's get to these super chats before you get out of here. Thank you. Dude, I mean, you killed that. Beef Eater, NDOA, a.k.a. Toe Jam 1992. Thank you for the super chat. Merry Christmas, Sean and Malik. This is for a ticket next to Peyton Bourne on the pay train. Two twos. Next stop, Crazy Town. What's the over-under PBs in the transfer portal this time next year? Depend on the success of a Devin Leary, uh, Jeff Sims in Nebraska, uh, Emory Jones in Cincinnati, you know. I think if we see a kid in the transfer portal as a quarterback have a Joe Burrow season next year. No, he's talking about Peyton Bowen. Oh, 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 oh. Like, yeah, he said, you know, what's the over-under on Peyton Bowen being in the transfer portal? Dude, I'll give it two years. <laughs> I'll give it two years. The first year, he's not going to like it, but he's going to stay because he wants to prove that he made the right decision when he didn't. And then after that next year, when they when OU sucks and nobody's watching them on TV, then he'll probably try to say, I need to take a step up, especially him seeing Notre Dame in the playoffs and all his teammates making plays as sophomores in the game. Tony Shea, thank you for the super chat. Malik's rant yesterday, excuse me, was epic. Yes, it was. Thanks, man. And David Littlefield, I was 10 minutes behind. I was wondering why all the fist talk. Uh, what's going on in the chat? Uh, <laughs> LMAO. Oh, man. We want sharks in that quarterback room, man. Not baby sharks. No. No, 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 no. We want real ones. No, we want sharks, my man. And so everyone sitting up here complaining about Steve Angeli hasn't gotten snaps. So what? He's about to get his out. Opp- man, look, we're talking opportunity, bro. Opportunity. That's all you need. That's all you need. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We appreciate you. Smash that like button. Hit the notification bell. So every time we go live or post anything, you'll get the notification and know the Lucky Lefty Podcast is spinning it different. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lucky Lefty Pod. Today we heard from Marcus Freeman. We heard from offensive coordinator Tommy Reese on the holes they filled on the offensive side of the ball. Tomorrow we'll hear from Al Golden and we'll give you our faves in the class of 2023. The one that will be freshman All-American. The one that's going to make the biggest impact. We already gave our best film evaluation last night, which is being managed. But we'll get into it a little bit deeper, the 2023 class, a little bit more on tomorrow, along with Al Golden and what the defense added via the 23 recruiting class. Left, another fantastic show. We thank everybody for being a part of LL Nation. Let everybody know. This is the place you need to be to talk Notre Dame football in a different way. You know what time it is, Left.
Petticoat. Petticoat. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, Petty Story of the Day, brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Yep. Peyton Bowen's back on the Petty Train. Like, bro, come on, my man. <laughs> man, hashtag goof troop. Real talk. I, this... Bananas, man. It's bananas. I've never seen anything like it, Left. I've never seen a kid play himself in tw- multiple times in 24 hours. I've seen it with Gunner Kill. Gunner Kill done committed to about five schools on Saturday. Started LSU, then it was Indiana, then it was Cincinnati, then it was Notre Dame. So, you know, it's, it's and, it, and what happens? They end up playing themselves. And they don't end up flourishing until the very end because at the end of the day, just like uh, first-round draft picks, they, they're going to give you 10 years before they say you can't play. <laughs> so with a top recruit, number one recruit, they're going to give you about three or four years before they like, all right, you, you got to throw you to the back of the line. So Peyton Bowen, because he's so talented, teams are going to take him. But don't be a JT Daniels where you just become a serviceman and you just out there just – being the old man of college football. Notre Dame men's basketball. You lost to Florida State, man. I got to put y'all on the petty train. Because Florida State's trash. Mike Bray. What's up, my dude? Is he getting stale in the program or what? Man, I don't know. Cameron. Petty train. You know, he's been doing these little spoofs, bro. Today, the one he did about Spike Lee, Cam, you mad petty, bro. I didn't see it. I, didn't uh, see it. I couldn't even I couldn't even show the video. I couldn't even show this one, bro. I was like, it's too much. Petty train, bro. Like, I have to get him. Left. College football is burning. It's fires all over the country, bro. Flip here, flip there. Guys not committing, carrying their decision out into the late date in February. It's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah, I think uh, you know they're gonna do this little run, and then when twenty twenty four come around, it's all gonna stop. And shout out to the new offers in the twenty twenty four class from Notre Dame. They're full speed ahead on the 24 class, already ranked number one. And they're probably going to outpoint this class in 23, in my opinion. Especially they are season eight and four. Already got the number one all-purpose back in the class. Looking to get the number one wide receiver, Ryan Wingo, in the class. 
one thing we can say, Tommy, he Tommy, he got an early start in 24. He didn't have to play catch up. He got an early start. Now the question is, what are they going to do on the defensive line in 24? So the pressure might be off Tommy in recruiting. And it might be on another coach in the 24 class. Yeah, we'll no. get into that another time. Hey, have a great day. If you're in the Midwest, be safe, especially if you're traveling through these winter storms. Um, and just be safe in general and love on each other, man. Notre Dame football is only up from here. There's no reason for us to be anything but excited, excited and ecstatic about what's to come under Marcus Freeman and his staff. Have a great, great Wednesday. And most of all, you got to make sure that you spin it different.